0: So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, Gregory. (laughs) And this is our our final episode of season one, as we call it. And uh, God, I
1: can hardly believe it. It Feels like just yesterday that we were starting this journey.
0: Uh, yeah, it's been really great, uh, sort of getting to know you and your background and all the wonderful things that uh, you're able to impart and all the great knowledge.
1: Oh, thank you, Gregory. It's yeah.
0: I always so look
1: forward to our our conversations, our explorations. You have such a way of bringing out these these questions, these the the aliveness, and always weaving in your your authentic humor.
0: Yeah, There you go. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So um, I forget how you first kind of mentioned that you had kept a notebook of your uh, travels to India,
1: but yes. um,
0: I think we were talking about this, uh, you know, offline a couple of times and we thought it would be good a good idea for uh, season two, as it were, that uh, you would record your, your journeys. Maybe, maybe back up a little bit here. Why don't you tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about uh, when, when you wrote the notebook and did, did when you first went to India, was did you decide that you were going to be keeping a journal while you were there?
1: Um and yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. And it's I just want to say it feels like we're really coming, coming full circle. Mm. We're ending where we began. Because episode one was the divine vision. I spoke about my uh my retreat in Bodhgaya, India, the village where the Buddha sat under the Bodhi tree and had his awakening experience. Um, and that was where I first started writing this this journal, this notebook. I'm going to be honest, I had no intention to write a journal when I went to India. Oh, okay. I'd never written a journal before. I'd, you know, I did the odd entry at really pivotal moments in my life or after a big life change, but... But I was honestly really bad at journaling.
0: I just, yeah, same here. I just, I have so many that I've started, you know. So, exactly. All these journals have a few entries. Yeah. I'm, I was the same.
1: Um, but luckily, you know, I, I had this, um, and it just goes to show um, that I wasn't prepared because it wasn't, you know, your typical lined paper journal. Mm-hmm. The journal was actually an artist's sketchbook. Right. This massive thing with these blank pieces of parchment paper. Uh, but it was all I had. And I started writing it on the, I believe it was the second full day of my seven-day Vipassana retreat. Oh, okay. So a seven-day retreat of absolute silence. Uh, no no speaking. no. We weren't even supposed to make eye contact with one another or right. communicate Sorry. non-verbally. Um, and I gotta say, I'm, I'm so excited to share this, this journal, this, this is, it really tells the story, you know, real time, uh, current. I didn't, it's not like I wrote it several weeks even after I was writing it in every spare moment oh, um, wow, during wow. the cool. retreat. Yeah. And it, it tells the, the story of my first real awakening experience in this life
0: so is it is the journal um just for those seven days or did it extend beyond into your travels
1: um yeah so what i the the first sort of season two audiobook that i want to share is the journal from that retreat from those days because it is a full rich exploration Um, and then there is there's a second journal so if the first journal is the insights the the sort of the Explosion of 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 insight, of seeing, of clairvoyance that just burst my whole worldview open. And then the second journal is the pilgrimage, mm. the marinating in it, the going through Bodh Gaya, then Rishikesh, and then on to spend another um, another two months in Nepal uh, with uh, me and my dad's Buddhist teacher, and just really. But that entire time, that entire second journal, which I hope to share with the world soon, sort of as a, a sequel, <laughs> um it's all essentially living, putting into practice oh, what arose yeah. in the in the
0: first journal. Wow. Wow. Yeah, because that's the challenge, right? Off the mat, so to speak. Off the mat. It's a different world. Well, the Tibetans believe like one of the reasons that you meditate with your eyes open in Tibetan Buddhism mm-hmm. is it's just too easy to just kind of close your eyes and you go off into this world and it can be as, as perfect and, and beautiful as you want. <laughs> then you open the world sure. again. It's like, yep, oh, still back here. It's yeah.
1: exactly. Have, have you seen the movie, uh, the razor's edge?
0: Any no, chance? I haven't. Yeah, with the Bill Murray one,
1: Bill Murray. Yes. Yeah. Sort of, he goes to um, either, either at, Tibetan Buddhist Monastery in India or or in Tibet, I'm blanking right now, but the title of the movie comes from one of the uh, Tibetan Buddhist lama who says to him, to be a a holy man, to be enlightened on top of a mountain is easy, but to do it in the world is as treacherous
0: and challenging as walking the razor's edge. Yeah, yeah. And there's plenty of stories of of monks who meditated for 12 years and they, they, the first day they're out, something happens and they lose their temper and they're like, Oh, got to go back.
1: (laughs) No, absolutely. (laughs) And um, yes. And so, but I will say this, this journal, this story of my awakening experience, it wasn't all sunshine and roses. Sure. Like it was not easy because I'd one way to, I mean, there was, there's so much to it. There's, I want to do my best to introduce it, but this was the single most transformative week of my life. Um, so it's hard to capture it, but, Mm -hmm. but one, essentially what happened was, you know, I got to this retreat and I'd, I'd just like, I'd never really journaled. (laughs) I'd also never really meditated. Yeah. I had, I've, uh, in the early episodes of this podcast, I mentioned my spiritual parents and growing up around meditation and retreats and, you know, Buddhist and non dual teachings. But it was always kind of peripheral for me. Um, and so I, you know, I meditated, but for, you know, a half an hour guided meditation, not a seven day, you know, 12 hours a day silent vipassana retreat mostly by yourself yeah yeah exactly um so the first we get there and the first day was just absolute hell yeah yeah. Uh, you know everybody says yeah right (laughs) exactly i but but it was a hell of my own making because my inner critic was just berating me Mm -hmm. um you, you know i was telling myself such abusive things like you studied Buddhism for four years, you idiot! How come you can't even do the most basic Buddhist practice? And yeah. you know you don't deserve to be here. Like, what what are you doing? Um, and then and then that was, and as sort of a recap of what I mentioned in that that first episode, because then, at at my darkest hour, when I was just hating myself, miserable, just th- wanting to give up. That, that feminine voice, mm-hmm. which I I later found to be sweet Mother Earth, mm-hmm. came to me and said, "Sweet child, it's not about you." And this journal, really, it it speak. I speak of that moment in much more depth. But what it really tells is what unfolded after that,
0: because
1: mm-hmm. those words gave me permission to finally get out of my own way, to realize that it wasn't all about me. I, yeah. Everything wasn't a test of my self-worth. <laughs> if I pass this exam, I'm worthy. If I fail it, I'm, I'm worthless. If I, If I get through this conversation with people feeling positive, I've passed and I'm worthy. If I mm. upset someone, I've failed and
0: I'm unworthy. Yeah. And it's also, um, you know, there's, there's there's, a lot of things that you can do when you're meditating to sort of um, help your practice that you may not have ever heard truly um, yeah and buddhism certainly has those but even you might even be with a buddhist teacher and and not get that information and like one thing is you know start out just do 24 minutes at a time don't sit down and think mm-hmm. oh, i'm gonna do eight hours today it's not gonna happen right you no know? that's not reasonable to expect that of yourself yeah and just little things like uh, for example you know there's two things right you can You can either get a little dull or you can get a little like you can go off on flights of fancy. Well, if you start going off on flights of fancy, just drop your head a little bit, you know, Uh if you're getting dull, raise your head a little bit. You know, just these little little tricks that just work so amazing. You know, oh, I
1: love that. Yeah, there's the shift in body language. It yeah, it sort of a, either wakes the system up or calms it down.
0: Yeah, and there's there's like some neurological aspect to that too of just the way yes. like was it like when your eyes look to the up into the right, you're thinking of of the future or some. Uh, uh, abstract concept. And then to the left, I think you're remembering something. Yes. If you you watch somebody doing that, you can say, oh, they're remembering something.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, those are teachings from, from, you know, EMDR, this type of therapy that's really utilizes that insight to guide our our body language and our eye motion but
0: yeah and it's I, it's you know it's correlated to the brain so if you're doing that and you're too excited well drop your head a little bit and I think basically what it is if your head is up here like look how wide your your vision is there's a yes. lot that you're taking in you drop it down it just gets a little less focused there's less to come into the brain
1: that's right pretty simple right but profound <laughs> you know yeah. that's and I love that application to meditation it can make yeah. such a difference.
0: Yeah, I mean, how many people I've, I've heard of that take that ten-day Vipassana retreat or in the yes. area here, and they wash out after the third day at the most. Exactly. They no, say I what you—they go, "It was
1: hell. It was hell, man." <laughs> it, well, exactly, and it's—and you're right. If you knew these tricks, or even—I mean, I, I suppose I am lucky in that I'm—I'm I'm incredibly stubborn, and yeah. I, you know, I—I I will. I kind of learned this from my dad who, you know, had a cattle ranch in Alberta during one of his many phases before he became essentially like a full on devoted Buddhist practitioner. But he kind of has that like, you know, get through it mentality, um, push through the pain.
0: Yeah, yeah. I remember me and my friend went to Green Gulch up in Marin County, the Zen Center there. Ah, didn't know very much about it. Just that it was beautiful. So we were going to hang out and they were having a, a session to sit. And we sat in the back and we they, nobody said anything like what to do. We're just sitting mm. there. I'm like, what am I supposed to be thinking? And
1: there's no instructions,
0: no instructions. Like everyone kind of knew what to do and everyone's sitting all tall. Oh and no. Like, and, I, and I read enough about Zen Buddhism to know that sometimes there's a guy walking around. He's going to slap you with a ruler or something if you're not sitting up straight <laughs> enough or something. <laughs> So we both kind of looked at. I don't think we lasted more than twenty minutes. We're like, "Oh, ugh, ugh, my back!" I was like, "Let's just get out of here," you know. <laughs> but so the, and how long? How long was it? Could have you stayed? Uh, that was that was the most, yeah. That was that was an early meditative experience, you know. Yes. Yeah.
1: Right. Exactly. I mean, that's just it. There's. It, it is good to get some guidance, some preparation, but. Um, but I also, I suppose what also helped is being in India, being at the sure. other end of the world. I just landed there and that was kind of, it was a blessing because we, my mom and I, it just worked out that we had landed the day before and then already our, our, our second day, really like, I guess technically the evening of our first full day in India, we were already in retreat
0: oh sure so you're just uh, immersed in it just soaking in it yeah
1: fully um and so then what what ended up unfolding once i got out of my own way let go of this self-obsessed sort of life or death proving myself mentality is everything just started to flow Um, and i and what what really unfolded is my worldview which Mm. i'd been slowly building through you know four years of studying western philosophy eastern religious studies and psychology at mcgill university plus you know another four years before that of having these deep talks late into the night with my friends in high school just wondering like why are we here what what you know is there is there any sort of Sanity in this madness. So um, you're
0: bringing all of that, yeah, like the 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 great thing of you know the teapot just pouring and pouring and pouring. You're bringing all of that background into this situation. It,
1: yeah. Absolutely, and but above all, is it's in during those seven days, and what this this audiobook is going to to walk everyone through. It's it's me, and it's 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 intimate. You know, it, it took me a while to decide that I. I'm ready to share this because, you know, it's a, this is my, my soul, the, the way that I see the world from the inside. And an image that came to me is it's like, it's as if at McGill and through life, every time an insight from, from Nietzsche, from Heidegger, from the Buddha, from uh from various uh r- religious theologians or or zen masters hindu uh, sadhus each t- each one became like a star in the night um, sky cool like, oh that that resonates that resonates that resonates but they were still disconnected they mm-hmm. were just all these pearls in the sky of like things that i knew to be true to me during this retreat it, it was as if they became constellations yeah. lines got
0: drawn between them oh well. <clears throat> yeah. yeah sometimes you know that information and the knowledge and and even experience has to take some time to kind of you know uh saturate and nurture you know underneath you and maybe a few years you go oh i see what that means now
1: Exactly, and I was able to see too in this in this clarity how they connected. You know, it was completely seemingly disparate pieces of knowledge, like a, a psychological study on human development mixed with a Buddhist insight, mixed with a non a non dual Advaita Vedanta
0: insight. I was like, wait a second,
1: <laughs> we're all pointing to the same thing. It's yeah. right there.
0: Yeah, you have a pretty unique, you know, a lot of people that are not. You know buddhists or or psychologists they don't necessarily have uh, a deep western philosophical background for example mm-hmm. so and and i think it's a mistake where people try to kind of mash up you know okay. and create something new out of it um like keep keep the original thing pure learn it in its purity and yeah. take, take what you can from it like i've been trying to sort of figure out um recently where where, where does the, what's the intersection between uh, gestalt therapy and Tibetan Buddhism? And my first thought was that you would pour the Tibetan Buddhist concepts into gestalt, but I think it's the other way around. Like you can take, I think you can take some of the core ideas of gestalt therapy and, and uh, amplify certain aspects of Tibetan Buddhism that just really uh, didn't you know, have that Western exposure, you know, because it's, it's far more ancient. I mm-hmm. mean, come back a thousand years and see what Gestalt therapy is all about. Well, look how Tibetan Buddhism has, you know. Evolved and Evolved.
1: changed. And Exactly. And yeah. so, you know, I mean, because you take Gestalt therapy, which was heavily influenced by phenomenology, you know, a German philosophy that focuses on our immediate direct experience. And, you know, and you can trace that back to to a lot of a lot of buddhist insights hindu insights even daoist insights
0: yeah and and i think that it's because for example um gestalt hasn't taken as deep of a dive and it's a it's so new and it's Mm -hmm. it's trying to you know, figure out, differentiate itself between Jung and Freud. I mean, these are all so new. And everybody always points back to Freud. When you when you talk about Jung, you always have to say, well, he's different from Freud in this way. And pearls right. saying, well, he's different from them this way. And it, it's, it's not like a progressive, each one is their own little island, right, onto themselves.
1: And that's just the moment you said that. It struck me that that's not how
0: knowledge works. It's, it's not how knowledge works, yeah. It's
1: collaborative. We and we build on each other,
0: right but I think that's, philosophy i think we've had this discussion too that it's yeah. you, you your whole thing is to knock down the people that came before you you know <laughs> we sure did yeah. see ex- and that's you know the, in
1: part this is what what came from from this retreat because i'd back then i'd I pretty much knew based on that whole conversation you and i had i'd already i'd been thinking god mm-hmm. i don't want to be like that i don't want to <laughs> be like the for the pinnacle of my career to be to hold the king of the hill spot of the best debater until (laughs) egghead. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But I didn't know what I wanted to do. Whereas after this, this time on retreat, just really sinking in that, I mean, and, and I'll share, you know, all of these insights, but for instance, realizing that, that the, Every single human being in this world wants, uh, above all else, really our, our core needs boil down to we want to live. Mm. Both we want to survive and we want to thrive, like really live. Yeah, be happy. Yeah. Be happy. And then, two, we want to experience love, to love and be loved. And to connection. It's not just enough to be a single solitary organism alive and eating and healthy psychologically you know, balanced yeah exactly but even even successful but no we need some form of connection of of yeah. love with other people with plants and life and the world around us um, I for instance there was a moment where I was sitting and I was savoring every every bite of my lunch because that mm-hmm. was our assignment was to be present with each <laughs> each texture, each flavor. And I looked up and saw this canopy of trees and I saw squirrels running through it and butterflies landing on it. And it, and it, it started to really just strike me the the profound interconnection of life. And, yeah. um, and, and then I, I ended up, you know, I pulled out my journal and I started writing so, you know, ferociously that, some one of my very kind hearted uh, fellow uh, retreat members broke the solemn rule. They didn't speak, but yeah. they tapped me on the shoulder and made contact and pointed at the clock because we were about to meet in two minutes. And oh. I was writing my journal with a full plate of food in front of me. <laughs> oh,
0: no, you didn't eat.
1: <laughs> no, I
0: got so caught up in it. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Well, I think this will be fun, and um, I, I don't think we we kind of are sort of guessing how long uh, these recordings will be, but uh, we'll just sort of leave that open and uh, sort of leave it open to when when we'll be finished, and we'll certainly let everybody know when when those things are ready to roll.
1: Oh, absolutely. And for everyone who's followed us on this whole journey, this Eyes of Love podcast journey, in a way... This eyes of love psychotherapy, this way of seeing the world, of of helping my clients uh, and my students really cultivate self awareness and self acceptance. It all starts in what I tell in this journal. That was the the beginning of all of this. Wonderful. I, so
0: you can kind of you can see the origin. Cool, cool. And maybe maybe to come full circle here, what I'll do is I'll edit in the very first uh, meditation that you did at the end of the first podcast episode that we have. So they're perfectly sealed. That would be beautiful. Okay. As it, as it begins, so it shall end. Wonderful. The snake swallowing its tail kind of thing. That's right. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Gregory. Thank you
1: everyone for joining us on this, on this beautiful journey. Yeah. See you soon. Wonderful. Hey, everyone. As we begin to shift, I invite you to either close your eyes or look gently at the floor and allow your breathing to deepen and soften. Start to find a rhythm that feels easy and natural. There's no need to breathe any more deeply. Or shallowly than feels comfortable and as you begin to connect with yourself I want to say that any invitation I offer in this meditation is just that it's an invitation and if anything I say ever doesn't feel right or doesn't feel like the direction you want to go feel welcome just tune me out for a little while and Deepen into silence or your own practice. So, with that said, now begin to follow your breath into your body. You might imagine attaching your awareness to your next inhale and riding it like a wave down into your lungs. And to feel your awareness spreading all the way through your body, just as the oxygen spreads through all of your veins. Feel your breath spreading down through your torso, through your legs, going all the way to the soles of your feet. Feel the breath spreading up into your facial muscles down your arms and all the way up to every corner of your brain clearing your neural pathways opening your mind As you continue to feel the breath moving through your body. Notice its quality. What is the most nurturing in this moment? Is the breath cooling or is it warming? And in this moment, experiment with attaching a quality to the breath. ...that would be the most supportive for you in this moment. Perhaps clarity... ...clearing... ...any energy blocks in the body. Perhaps soothing... ...nurturing any aches or pains... ...in your muscles... Perhaps an invigorating awakening, energizing and enlivening your cells. And while your awareness is on your body, let's take the next few breaths to notice any sensations that arise in your body. And as much as possible, to look from a place of gentle curiosity. There's no need to change the sensation in this moment. No need to understand it even. Just for these moments, see if you can let it be just as it is. Allow your awareness to be like a still pond and any contraction in a muscle or looseness Any grumbling in the stomach, or breeze on the skin, is like a ripple in the pond. If you feel called, I invite you to gently place your hand on your heart, and with your next breath, shift your awareness easily and gently from the body to your heart. Breathe into your heart. Fill your heart with life. Fill your heart with space. And fill your heart with your awareness and your attention. Take a moment to notice... Just how vast your heart is. It can feel so many things from such joy to deep sadness. There's more than enough space to hold any emotion that arises. Once again, let's spend the next few moments noticing with gentle curiosity which emotions arise in the heart, like ripples in the still pond. your mood in this moment, you may notice a specific emotion, as much as possible, just for now, let it be here, exactly as it is. there's more than enough space for that emotion to find expression and to be just as it is. And when you feel ready, gently take your hand from your heart and with your next breath acknowledge the mind bringing your awareness up to the crown of your head and acknowledging that thoughts can be here too thoughts are ripples in the pond just like sensations and emotions as you notice any thoughts that may be coming see if you can focus on the way that that thought lands in your body, in your heart. What is the quality of that thought? Is it exciting or saddening? Is it fast or slow? Is it broad or specific, what are the vibrations that that thought creates in your system? And finally, as we close this meditation your next breath, allow your awareness to expand to include the body, the heart and the mind. Allow your awareness to fill you up all the way from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Notice how it feels to be all of you in this moment. Body, heart, mind, and soul. Now let's take one more deep breath together. All the way in. All the way out. Now, slowly, slowly let your eyes open and see the world anew.
0: Thank you, Josh.
1: Thank you, Gregory.